You're listening to a 3CR podcast of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to Unemployed, Unemployed Workers, Workers Fight Back. 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 Join your hosts, Anne. And Kevin, that's me. The second and fourth Friday of each month on The Sewer Show. Between 5.30 and 6.30pm. Here on 3CR Community Radio. Radio. This is a show where we explore macroeconomic solutions for the unemployed and underemployed. Everyone, Everyone in, in our, our community, community has value. Welcome to Unemployed Workers Fight Back. Anne, how are you doing? Hey, Kevin, and hello to our lovely Larry and Larissa, our listeners. Larry and Larissa. They've been with us for a while now. <laughs> they have. They've stayed the course, haven't they? It would be nice <laughs> if they could tell some of their friends. I figure we have multiples of Larry's mm. and multiples of Larissa's. I hope so. I hope so. And I heard from one of our Larissa's the other day. Excellent. And she told me that she gets a lot of knitting done when she's listening to our show. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So I just want to give a shout out to all those lovely knitting listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening to us all year or if you've just picked us up, so thanks for listening. Hey, um, what, what, what have you got in store for us this week? Well, I thought given that we're heading for the holiday season mm-hmm. that we could play a little game. I don't do Christmas stuff. It's not Christmas, <laughs> is it? It's not, is it a Christmas game? I'm going to really annoy you with this oh, game. Okay. I thought we could play Who Am I? Righty, okay. Because we will hear from this Who in the upcoming hour. Yeah. Um, see if you could guess can who I, this might be. Can I just tell you something about these sorts of games? Like sure. If, because I, I um, uh, shared a house with a mate of mine called Pete for quite some time. And Pete went on Sale of the Century years ago and won stuff. And he'd sit there, <laughs> like we'd watch all these all these quiz shows, and he'd just kill it. Like seriously, <laughs> he'd beat them all the time. And he'd bang, bang, bang. I can, can, never, I can remember the next day. Yeah, it's... it's mm-hmm. So if you're going to do this on me, just I do know... There might be a lot of dead air. All the cogs are ticking over him. <laughs> that will be the sound of Kevin's brain working. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Okay. Let's play it. Who Am I? Who Am I? I did not think to seek legal advice about the robo-debt scheme when I had the opportunity to do so because I trusted my advisors. I already know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> go, go but, ahead. Well, wasn't he the, the minister in charge of, of the, the robo-debt scheme, uh-huh. the, the minister uh-huh. for social services? Uh-huh. Exactly. During the, the Turnbull government? Our former prime minister, Mr Scott Morrison. Uh, ask more questions. Uh-huh. Well, I did not think that... Developing the robo-debt scheme over a period of weeks was too short a time frame to give the department time to look into the legality of the scheme. Mm. Such a short time frame is not unheard of. Yeah. I didn't have time because I was at the bushfires. Is that the one that, that, <laughs> that has been doing the round? And then there's a picture of Scott Morrison in his Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. I did not desire to avoid legislative changes because there was an unfriendly Senate at the time. That did not cross my mind. I'm a bit concerned about your um, your imitation of Scott Morrison. <laughs> it's actually sounding a little bit Gough Whitlam-y. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best I can do. Well, Kevin, I think I actually deserve a medal Yeah. because I listened to all seven hours. 
Of what? Of Scott Morrison giving evidence oh. on day 20 of the Robo Debt Royal Commission. You don't deserve held. a medal, you deserve therapy. <laughs> oh. What is going on? Oh, boy, oh, boy. This yeah. was day 20 of the Robo Debt Royal Commission. And in a moment, we'll hear some highlights from that. But as you said, Scott Morrison was the social services minister in 2014 when the thing was developed. Yeah. He was the treasurer in 2015 when the scheme was launched. And he was the prime minister in 2019 when the whole thing was found to be unlawful. Ah, oh boy. Scott Morrison is going down in history as certainly the worst prime minister in living memory. This, <laughs> this takes the cake. This it? <laughs> really takes the cake. Scott Morrison, I was a big fan of Tony Abbott being the worst Prime Minister <laughs> and I stuck by that for quite some time and towards the end I just had to give up that mantle. Next I, time we'll have to play the worst Prime Minister game. <laughs> What's the worst thing a Prime Minister's done? And it'll be, it'll be a shootout between Abbott and Morrison. <laughs> well, just to remind our lovely Larry and Larissa, in case you've forgotten what RoboDebt was... This was the scheme that illegally, we have found, clawed back almost $2 billion in payments from around 433,000 past and current Social Security recipients. And what was unlawful about this scheme was that it used income averaging. So what they did is they went off to the ATO and they said, can you tell us what the annual income was of this person? And then they divided that by 26 and said that was the person's fortnightly income. And then they data matched that number against what the person actually reported. And if it was more, they said, well, you owe us money and we're going to get it back off you. Yeah, but like, like you know that, that it fluctuates. Like that if you get work, you can earn 3000 bucks in a week because you just landed a plum job. Mm-hmm. And you can be unemployed two weeks later on and you're still eligible for, for unemployment benefits. So many people who are on unemployment benefits are casual workers. So they're never going to have a regular yeah, income. Yeah, yeah. So to average that out, I mean, like anybody could have told them that, that that's not going to work, right? right? And they must have known it wasn't going to work. <laughs> they're either incredibly inept and stupid or they just don't care or well, both. Well, why don't we hear for ourselves and we can um, have yeah. a listen to our former Prime Minister giving evidence at the RoboDebt Royal Commission. This was a budget which was a third of the federal budget. Of course, social welfare system, the social security system, is paid for by taxpayers and the system needs to be fair to to those who receive benefits as well as those who pay for them, the taxpayers. And that was a, a very strong view of our government and the principle of mutual obligation which was established in particular by Prime Minister Howard. You referred to um, the smallest uh, changes to entitlements and programs can have serious implications for taxpayers. You're talking about in a financial sense. Oh, of course, yeah. That is that small changes to the system can add up to big dollars. And it's, and it's administration as well. You're linking, as I understand it, reforms with the social security system as part of the funding required for the NDIS. What I'm simply saying, and by the way, that bill is now $50 billion, not 12 when it comes to the NDIS. Mr Morrison, can I just get you to stick to answering the question a bit more? I do understand that you come from a background where rhetoric's important, but uh, it is necessary to listen to the question and just answer it without extra detail, unnecessary detail, if you could. Thank you. The 
what you refer to is the responsibility that I had as minister for social services to ensure that that portfolio was exercised in accordance with its legislation and that there was not uh, payments that were made that were being inappropriately made. And the reason for that is to ensure that the taxpayers' resources were available for those purposes that were, um, were very necessary. And that is savings achieved by ensuring that would be available for other government programs such as the NDIS. I understand that to be the link you're making. There are, there are three types, and this, this is important context, Commissioner, if you indulge me. There are three ways in which the budget can be improved. You can reduce expenditures. You can increase taxes. Or you can ensure that you are removing any expenditure that is not appropriate, that is waste or that is being overpaid above what the legislative arrangements are. Now, in the, in the former case, that may result in a reduction in services by cutting expenditure, reducing a program or abolishing a program. Increasing taxes puts a greater burden on the Australian taxpayer. The third, which is principally what I'm referring to here, was ensuring that money taxpayers' money being paid out in benefits to individuals who, A, may have been seeking to obtain those payments in a, uh, a nefarious way, or those who are obtaining them um, by accident. Now, in both cases, ensuring that payments were not made in those circumstances were appropriate ways to tighten the administration of government to ensure that billions of dollars um, were available to the government either to give back to taxpayers, it's their money, uh, or uh, to provide to other services. As a minister responsible for the integrity of the welfare system, when you're told that more than a billion dollars is going out that shouldn't be every year, then you would expect that to be something I'd want to act on. One billion dollars is an extraordinarily large amount of money. And so the smallest of variations can produce very significant impacts on the taxpayer. Um, and that's why these issues were being discussed. What the department was suggesting was here is a proposal that can address integrity issues that uh, is currently seeing a billion dollars overpaid every single year of taxpayers' money. Look, can I just ask you about something? You say that um, this uh, brief had drawn to your attention a billion dollars a year in overpayments, but all I can see is that for a four-year period, there's supposed to be a billion dollars in overpayments. Well, I was, I, was, I was aware of the broader position, that there was a flow issue. Okay. But it's not in here? Um, I'd have to check, but I'd, I'm happy to note that. Okay. A billion dollars, whether in stock or flow, is a lot of taxpayers' money that required my attention as Minister. Um, as Minister, I expected that only the payments that should have been made to be made so we can ensure that the payments that needed to be made could be made to those who needed the most. And that was what I meant by welfare integrity. Um, you ensure integrity of a program to protect the program because you care about the people who most need that program. So on the savings, the savings would have been in the budget, but that was not the primary 
uh, objective of the measure. Serious implications for taxpayers, those who pay for them, the taxpayers. The taxpayers' resources, taxpayers' resources, taxpayers' money being paid out in benefits, billions of dollars, to give back to taxpayers, it's their money, a billion dollars of taxpayers' money every year. More than a billion dollars, one billion dollars, is an extraordinarily large amount of money. Impacts on the taxpayer. Billion dollars overpaid every single year of taxpayers' money. And more than a hundred billion dollars that are paid out in taxpayers' money to people every year. Taxpayers' money. The non-coming forward with the advice is so disappointing in this process. Had that advice come forward, I sincerely believe we would not be sitting here today. Remember, this was not a measure that the government initiated, i.e. ministers. This was a measure that was initiated within the public service and brought to us, which we agreed to take forward. If I look back at the one critical point where the system didn't do what it needed to do to assist good decision-making is where someone was aware of something that significant. It must be brought to the attention of the minister in order for them to make that decision. I understand the point about why didn't you ask? I understand that. That's what it was the understanding at the time based on the understanding of the proposal at the time. Um, but as I understand it, DSS's understanding of the proposal changed since that document was written. We're talking about a situation where there was advice and a very clear set of advice, I, I stress, once I've had the opportunity to see it, and how that did not get elevated and raised with ministers will remain a mystery, and I hope one that is that is solved to ensure it doesn't happen again. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au. What, can you imagine Scott Morrison as a kid right, and he's done something wrong and he knows he's done something wrong and you can just hear him talking like that. It was when I needed know, to. I didn't, but then I the well, dog just happened. I don't know who was supposed to be controlling that dog, but when he chewed up my homework, boy, who, whose dog was that? <laughs> <laughs> my favourite part is where he says, "And how this unlawful thing came into being will forever remain a mystery." But I hope it does get solved. Mate, it was your initiative. <laughs> okay, so they're trying to save money. They're, they're going under this pretext of balancing the budget, which mm -hmm. we know is rubbish, but let's just pretend that they mm -hmm. think it's what they have to do. So they're trying to balance the budget and they're trying to find ways of doing it. They say they're not going to increase taxation. They're not going to cut services. They're just going to uh, find efficiencies. Mm -hmm. And who are they going to choose to find efficiencies from? Not the corporate sector, not any of their rorts to buddy sports things or you know, shooting galleries or the regional funds program where they can dish out billions of dollars uh -huh. to their mates at, at a whim. No, we're going to go and hit the unemployed, Employed. of course. And, of course, when you talk about choosing who you're going to hit, it's really interesting to contrast his concern over that $1 billion with another $20 billion episode that happened with the JobKeeper overpayments. 
the payments that the government issued during the lockdowns that went they went to employees yep. via businesses. Employees via employers. So they paid the likes of Alan Joyce and, and Qantas and, and Harvey Norman and, and these people keep the economy alive, blah, blah, blah. Oh, we overspent by $20 billion, but that's okay because it kept the economy. But, but we've lost a billion to the unemployed and actually they were wrong and we should never have gone to them in the first but place. But that $20 billion, oh, well, too bad. Yeah, $20 billion, you know, it's $20 billion amongst friends and it is with their mates. Serious implications for taxpayers, those who pay for them, the taxpayers. The taxpayers' resources... Taxpayers' resources, taxpayers' money being paid out in benefits, billions of dollars, to give back to taxpayers, it's their money, a billion dollars of taxpayers' money every year, more than a billion dollars, one billion dollars is an extraordinarily large amount of money, impacts on the taxpayer, billion dollars overpaid every single year of taxpayers' money, and more than a hundred billion dollars that are paid out in taxpayers' money to people every year taxpayers' money. Some of the economic understanding of what Morrison was talking about when he was so concerned about the taxpayers and their yep. taxpaying money. Yep. So, of course, what we know is that taxpayers' money pays for nothing. It does not pay for social services. It does not pay for any of the rorts even because as a currency-issuing government, the federal government creates the money when it spends. Of course social welfare system, the social security system is paid for by taxpayers and the system needs to be fair to, to those who receive benefits as well as those who pay for them, the taxpayers. I always like coming back to this one. Let's just have a look at how the COVID payments went out. So they spent three to $400 billion in COVID support programs. Mm -hmm. They didn't raise the tax first. They didn't borrow the money. What they did was they had an appropriations bill passed in Parliament. They talked about it, agreed on it, sent it off to Treasury. Treasury then instructed Reserve Bank to send out the cheques. No tax, no loans. That's how it's always done. Imagine if suddenly overnight we could have a big increase in the unemployment benefit and observe the consequences. Well, we had precisely this natural experiment during the pandemic. Overnight, unemployment benefits were doubled in Australia. Andrew Charlton, speaking at the National Press Club of Australia in November 2021, six months before he was elected as the Labor MP for the seat of Parramatta. So what happened? Well, data from Accenture and Illion, taken with the permission from bank accounts of more than 250,000 Australians enabled us to observe the actual spending of people who received extra money. And the data is clear. Of the extra $550 a fortnight, the coronavirus supplement, the largest amount, $85, was spent on household bills, electricity, phone, water. $70 of that extra money was spent on food. Around $60 was spent on clothing and household goods, around $175 was saved or used to pay down debt. What we saw is that for the people who received that extra money, it was life-changing. Hundreds of thousands of people were lifted out of poverty. They didn't spend that money on frivolous or discretionary items. They didn't withdraw from the labour market. They spent it well on their families and bills. So the natural experiment of the pandemic, it taught us that giving more money to lower income people has many positive benefits, both to them 
and to the community. You know, I, I hope that we get to the situation where we can recognise that lesson of the pandemic and use it to inform better, more generous and ultimately more effective welfare policies going forward. I think we have decades of scholarship uh, provided to us on a platter from the natural experiments in the pandemic and we can only hope and wish and encourage our governments and our bureaucrats to do more evidence-based policy making. So I'm really curious as how he's going to pay the taxpayers back <laughs> the money. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, and um, you know, you, you told me to uh, have listened to that uh, podcast, Revolutions. Mm -hmm. Well, my head's firmly in the Russian Revolution after, <laughs> after fifty episodes of listening to that that, that podcast. Highly recommend it for holiday listening. It's just called Revolutions. Yeah, he covers ten revolutions. So I just started with the Russian Revolution, and what I'm realising by listening to this uh, podcast is that. All of these problems are about inequality, always about when you have a system which is out of balance, when you've got uh, obscene wealth next to abject poverty, and you're going to have a revolution because people are going to go, well, I've got nothing to lose, so let's go for it. And the coalition were a neoliberal government who believed in inequality. Screw your workers down, put downward pressure on wages so that you can increase your profits. That's what they did for the whole time they did. We know the robo-debt, and I love that they use the word robo-debt, which was coined by activists at the time. Yeah. But where we could go to push Labor even further is to ask the questions that the Commission is not going to ask. For example, why do we lock people out of the economy when we could include everyone through a job guarantee? Why are we making that choice? So it's like you say, these things are by design. They're not um, accidents or acts of God or anything. Yeah, and, and we've, we've talked about the job guarantee. Uh, that is replace unemployment benefits with a job guarantee. So um, pleased to hear Noel Pearson Mm -hmm. uh, mentioning the job guarantee in his Boyer lectures. If we are going to close the gap, not only between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people, but between the unemployed and the rest of Australia, we must ensure there are enough jobs for all those able to work and who want work. Noel Pearson, Indigenous lawyer, activist and director of the Cape York Institute for Policy and Leadership, giving his third Boyer Lecture on ABC's Radio National, 18th of November 2022, titled The First Game Changer, A Job Guarantee for the Bottom Million. Economist William Mitchell's proposal for a federal job guarantee would provide minimum wage jobs to everyone who needs a job. It is the best solution to the despair and mental unwell-being that engulfs our saddest fellow Australians. It will lift them out of poverty and deprivation instantly. It will provide solace and purpose, as well as hope, responsibility and self-esteem. This is what we must do to change the game for the bottom million and to close the gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. It will give people all of the intangible, personal, psychological 
and social benefits that come with work. Only those accustomed to the opportunity of work can afford the luxury of the idea that work is not foundational to the well-being of all humans. Again, Noel Pearson, yes. <laughs> controversial figure, etc. but just listen to the words he was saying. And speaking of revolutions, the other thing we could be asking ourselves, which I know the Robo-Debt Commission will not be asking, is how is it that we have allowed the ruling class to turn us against each other? So when people get all antsy about the unemployed and the dole bludgers and living off my taxpayer money, we probably should be asking ourselves, why are we allowing the uh, neoliberals to turn us against each other? Yeah, well, that's by design again, and that comes straight out of the uh, American right-wing think tanks. Post-World War II, if somebody was unemployed, you know, during the 60s and the 70s, it was, oh, we'll, you know, we'll try and find a, a job for the poor fella. And so there was uh, support. Now they've turned into a kicking dog. It's like, you deserve this and you're just dragging us all back. And that's a deliberate shift in ideology that was introduced straight mm. out of the right-wing think tanks of, of the US. Straight out of the playbook, isn't it? Yeah. So so we've got to change that mindset. Uh, this whole uh, system of capitalism that we have where you can accumulate wealth mm. uh, is something which is becoming sharper and sharper in my focus when you compare the continent of Australia to its pre-colonial existence. It was... Mm. A, a non-monetary system where all you can read is that there's a strong connection to land. So everybody's got a purpose. I bet no one was unemployed. Yeah, like, <laughs> and they're not there trying to accumulate wealth. They're there to look after the place. I'm just thinking to myself, that sounds like such a better system. Anyway, we didn't pay any attention to that, did we? We introduced this capitalist thing, ignored everything they did and buggered everything up, if you ask me. Well, I reckon we can figure out how to have the best of both worlds. So sorry to spring the uh, the Morrison on you. I think we oh, can uh, head was for the holidays now. It was now. excruciating listening to seven. <laughs> we listened to seven minutes of seven that. Seven minutes. Well, I, was, I listened to oh, seven hours. But I could not have listened to eight hours of that. I don't <laughs> I'm gonna keep an eye on you because <laughs> I'm not sure what's going to happen. Now, look, it is the end of the year. Um, um, I'll be disappearing, actually. I'm going to go far, far away from every computer screen. Yep, good on <laughs> and you. what will you be doing? I'm going to hold down the fort here. I'm going to come in and do a couple of shows, but um, they're not going to be – it's me by myself, so it's going to be a lot of music. A lot of music <laughs> coming up in January on our show here. Now, speaking of music, Terry Hall uh, was front man for a band called The Specials, who I went and saw at Golden Plains years ago. I got very drunk with my mate Flip, and we're up the front. <laughs> and The Specials are um, uh, like a ska band from uh, from the UK, and, uh, and they were great. And I didn't realise how much I, I loved The Specials, um, but Terry passed away during the week, the lead, lead singer. He's uh, 63 years of age, and I'm thinking, oh, it's pretty old. And I thought, oh, jeez, I've just turned 60 myself, so, uh-huh. so it's not that yeah, old. Yeah. But then I thought, and I had the same thought when Lou Reed died, because mm. I love Lou Reed. Mm. I sort of thought, well, it sounds a bit, um, I don't know, harsh or something, but it doesn't really matter because... I didn't know him as a person, so it's not like I'm going to be missing his company. This is this is the, pro- the whole process I went through with Lou Reed when I had to rationalise it to myself. Okay. And I still read about him. I'm still finding out things about him. Mm. And, and my mm. opinion or my, my kind of awareness, his uh, sense of being is something which still evolves. You read something and you go, okay, so – and the music's still there. Mm. So in real terms, whether Lou Reed or Terry Hall is alive or dead, doesn't – and that sounds really harsh. <laughs> it does. But, but, but the, the consolation prize is that – He's still alive in, in, in many respects yeah. because the only difference is that he's not physically here. I think you're allowed to miss him because I think people's music is a little window on their souls, you yeah. know, and yeah. you can feel like you've made a connection with someone through their music. Yeah, well, um, uh, I made a connection with his music and so I'm going to play some of his songs. 
You're listening to Unemployed Workers Fight Back, a show all about the economics and experience of unemployment and underemployment here on 3CR Community Radio. There are many ways that you can keep up to date with 3CR news, events and programs. The 3CR website is a great spot to catch all your shows via audio on demand or scroll through our range of podcasts. It's also where you can sign up to our monthly newsletter, buy yourself a new t-shirt or check out archival audio from past broadcasts. Of course, we're also on Twitter at 3CR and Instagram at 3CR Melbourne. But don't forget our mighty AM band. Catch us anytime on 855am. Keep in touch. 3cr.org.au So there you go. Hey, now next year we're coming back with a bit of a revamped show um, and Bill Mitchell's uh, getting in behind our show, uh, which is just terrific. One of Australia's best economists. Yeah, and and one of the world's leading progressive economists and certainly the founder of MMT, so which is why we love talking about Mm -hmm. Bill and the fact that he's supportive of this Mm -hmm. show and is going to become involved is um, fantastic. And uh, we're going to try and get more interviews with, with Bill. He's a hard man to, to... He's just come back from Japan. He's been in Japan and the rest <laughs> of it. When are we kicking off the Radio MMT, as it's called? I think it's going to be around uh, February sometime, yeah? As people who've listened to this show on a regular basis will know, we're always talking about our favourite economists, and our favourite economists are from a school of economics known as modern monetary theory. And in Australia, we are so fortunate to have one of the founders here uh, because we get to hear the spin on the Australian situation from the MMT perspective. This is Bill Mitchell. You're listening to my favourite Melbourne radio station, 3CR, with Anne and Kev, Unemployed Workers Fightback Program. Great program. Great guests. <laughs> And so Kev and I, we are going to go full bore (laughs) into the economics, which of course is related to the unemployment issues and we'll never drop the unemployment issues because that is a key part of understanding how the economy works. Yeah, well, that's that's why we keep on talking about the job guarantee as the safety net for... Uh, all Australian workers, and uh, and the reason that we became involved with this show was primarily because of that policy, and that's a policy that Bill Mitchell has been championing since the nineties. But uh, uh, as MMTers, we'd like to talk about broader, you know, macroeconomic uh, issues, uh, mm-hmm. of which uh, unemployment is foundational, but it's not the only thing that we'd like to talk about. And macroeconomics, it's another one of those words that sounds really boring when you first hear it. But to me, this is just a wonderful adventure because what I discover when you hear all the stories about what goes on with macroeconomics, which is the economics at the national level and also at the international level, is that you discover it's full of high farce and grand tragedy. It's just wonderfully full of so many crazy stories, like the robo-debt scheme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, essentially what you're talking about with macroeconomics is the distribution of resources amongst a community or as a society. And that involves inequality, and you know, that involves punishing people who, who aren't doing that well. These are issues for us. They're serious issues, and it's also just amazing to look at how 
the mainstream economics thinks about these things. Yeah. <laughs> as Bill Mitchell says, it's a defunct discipline, full of nonsense as any medieval priest waving his incense around. <laughs> well, one thing that we've learned is that, is that economic institutions, uh, universities, etc., are now teaching a brand of economics which has been hijacked by neoliberals and is full of nonsense, mm. things like the Nairu, etc. So it's important. There's international students protesting against their curriculum because they see that it's just nonsense. And um, we've cottoned onto this. We want to um, uh, help spread that word. Uh, and so we're thinking of rebranding the, sh- rebranding the show next year. Doing the- some redecorating at 5.30pm. We'll still be in the same time slot. Same so- time slot, but we just changed the name of the program from Unemployed Workers mm-hmm. Fight Back to Radio MMT because uh, it, it better describes what we're doing. Uh, and if people are looking for... Uh, MMT in particular, they're going to be better able to find us and we're hoping Mm. that we'll uh, increase uh, awareness of of this issue. And there's a lovely community. Like we're we're just uh, riding the wave here, Kevin, (laughs) because there is a community that's already gathering. Bill's blog has millions of readers online internationally. And you were saying the other day that we should um, catch up for a a drink after the show um, and uh, anybody who wants to come along should come and join us. I reckon so. So we don't always do our shows live, so... Um, But we try and give people some warning. And when we're actually here at the studios, 3CR Melbourne, 21 Smith Street, we'll try and find a good spot locally. And um, perhaps we can meet up and you can uh, yarn with us about what all of this stuff means. Come and and meet us after the show and tell us what we got wrong. (laughs) 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 That could be a long conversation. Tell me what I got wrong. Anne's always very well rehearsed on that. We're all learning. We keep learning. We keep learning. Time to move on. It's time for uh, Vicky to run her show, Mafalda, which is always another great show. We've got to get out of here. Um, so, Thanks for listening all year long and stay tuned for Kevin's music it's version. It's going to be very slack during January. <laughs> January. We'll come back properly. In, uh, so have a good break, Anne, and we'll, we'll come. catch you next year. Catch you then. You've been listening to Unemployed Workers Fight Back. Join us the second and fourth Friday of each and every month as part of the Sewer Show on 3CR. Listen to this show as a podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. We thank all our guests, and I thank you, Anne. And I thank you, Kevin. Oh, no, no, the pleasure was all mine. Oh, no, Kevin, the pleasure was all mine. You mean all the pleasure was yours? Kevin, I think I took all the pleasure on this one. <laughs> well, if you took all the pleasure, that means I, there's no pleasure for me at all. I, oh. I quite enjoyed myself. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.